Blog Talk Radio. You hear me? The word is so addicting. The dreams is expensive. You thinking work hard for the time. You're listening to Unfinished Business Live Pink Sunday with hosts Tanika, Tia, Ja, and Koji. Enjoy. Two, break em. Three, four, break em. Well, hello, hello, hello. I hope you like the new intro. What y'all think, girl? What y'all think? Did, you know, I added, I did something new this week. Personally, yeah, I that, love it. Sounded great to me. <laughs> I loved it. Okay, okay. I was like, okay, I know we just do down in the valley and that's it, but I was like, let's personalize this a little bit more. Um, so let's start off the show just announcing the call-in, um, the call-in number. Okay, perfect. So Tia put all that information in the chat. We're also going to vocalize that on air. Um, the guest call-in number is 515-602-9773. Call and listen to the show. You do not have to um, talk. I could have sworn there is an option to um, – did y'all get that option? Like when you call in, does it say if you want to talk, press 1 or, or whatever? Does it give you that option? Because it used to do that a while back. I don't remember what it said when I called in. It didn't give me an okay. option. It didn't give you the option? Okay. So I guess, like, in the chat, if you're calling, maybe you can let us know if you're just calling and listening. If you want to talk, maybe let that let me know that. Um, we do have, like, a couple of outline changes of how we want to have the show flowing over the next couple hours. Um, I'll let everybody, um, Tia and Ja and Tamika, let you guys know that after I give you the some uh, cast and crew information of the show we rewatched last night. We did Higher Ground. Um, after Yes, Tanika, I can hear you better, I think. Tanika, say hello. Hello. Okay. You hear me okay? Yes, yes. Okay, good. Yep, I can hear you. I can hear you good. Um, so we only have one episode left now, so there will not be a poll next week. We're just going to watch 201. Then after that, we're going to do 210 Mississippi Rule, and then we're all going to enjoy our holiday season and then come back, spin the block in order, okay? So that's how we're going to lay that out. So last night, it was 103, titled Higher Ground. Um, The director was Millicent Shelton, um, who also did 30 Rock, Run the World, Titans, Insecure, She's an Image Award winner, an Emmy nominee, so quality director. I loved everything. Um, writers, Katori Hall, Liz Garcia, executive story editor with Keith Joseph Atkins, um, producers, Dante DiLoretto, uh, Carol Cuddy, Liz Garcia. The cinematographer last night was Nancy Schreiber. We had music by Riza Safinia. Hopefully I'm saying that better. So that's just a little information. I like to give shout-outs to people who make this happen, okay? 
So I will let Tia kind of give you guys a layout today about how we're going to do things, and Ja and Tanika will contribute to that. Okay, Tia, go ahead. So for the first part of the show, it'll be me, Ja, uh, Tanika, and Koji kind of going over our thoughts, and then we're going to open up the phone lines. You're going to call in to 515-602-9773. When you do call in, mute your phone when you're not talking so we don't have the reverb and all the background noise. If you do get disconnected after you speak on that topic, go ahead and call back in if you want to speak on another topic. There's unlimited how many topics you can uh, participate in, and we absolutely want you to get your complete thought out but also try to keep it as concise as possible so everyone gets a chance to speak and we love having you guys okay job do you want to add anything i don't have anything to add except i'm excited for um today's show and i hope we just have a ball as usual sounds good tanika uh nope. I think you guys went over it all. <laughs> okay, because Tia be having it, baby. Tia be having everything laid out, huh? Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's see. So we're gonna start with we're gonna start with Sadie's and Coach. And now we have discussed how our feelings kind of. I mean, we have discussed how we feel about the coach from first season and season two. Um, I think what I took away from the little scene with Coach and Sadie's is just how transactional and business her relationship with Coach. Like, do you feel that there's any kind of, like, feelings beyond, like, personal or transactional, or is it just all business because sometimes I feel like coach is more like into her personal feelings wise and I can't tell like when he gave her the jewelry and she gave it to Big L here you go gifts from a coach you know what I'm saying like how do y'all feel about that relationship see I'll go with you first since you're in line uh which one I definitely think Coach has feelings for her, which in these type of interactions actually isn't all that unusual. Um, Because, you know, I don't – well, of course, we don't know anything about Coach's wife in season one. But in season two, we find out they don't really have the closest relationship. I I feel like the marriage is transactional, too. So this is kind of what Coach does. And But, you know, Mercedes is Mercedes. She's amazing. So I think in that time, because it's almost like he spends more time on the road and at the pink and everywhere else than he does with his wife. So he has definitely developed some feelings, but Mercedes is all business with Coach. Because same thing, when she gave um, Big L the chain, I was like, well, goddamn, Sadie, (laughs) you even keep the man's chain? So she's definitely transactional, and it was interesting because Mercedes is also a very layered character. Um, You know, he's really trying to basically have her as his mistress, girlfriend, or whatever, and she's all about, no, I'm here to get my money, get my daughter back, and that's it. I don't want none of them problems. Okay. 
I'm okay, very, very Sorry. true. Um, oh, I do no. I see. I was respecting your rules. You know, dog barking, doors opening. So I was muting myself. Um, I agree with that. Honestly, um, it did. I felt the same way when she gave that change. Like it was like nothing. I mean, <laughs> it was like, damn. Okay, you you, you can call me so. But anyway. Um, Job, what you think? Do you have anything to add about that relationship? Um, no, I just I agree in the fact that Mercedes is um very tra- um in this uh scenario you get to see how sex workers um of all forms use this. Um I had a friend who used to do um mm-hmm. sex work and she told me about something called GFE, which is girlfriend experience. And so, you know, in those instances where they're with their um, you know, their customer, they will give them the experience that they are looking for. Please I'm sorry if you hear this noise in the background. So when she's talking to coach, when she's around coach, she's very soft in voice. She's giving him what he is there for, which is what keeps her getting her pockets fed. But once that time is up, Sadie's is like, okay, thank you, and goodbye. And we even see that um, in the episode in season two when she's fussing with Shell. When coach calls, her voice, her mannerisms, her everything switches. Because that's her money. And so I, I think um, she does what he needs, so it comes off as feelings. But in real life, she's about her paper. Okay. Could what do you think, you Tanika? Add any thoughts or, yeah. <laughs> um. No, I I agree with uh, what you you guys both said um, that there are no feelings there from Mercedes, and I think she understands that everything that Coach is offering is a fantasy that's not going to work out. I think even the way the scene was shot, you know, at the beginning we're led to believe like they're the only you know people in the club, that it's just them, and then once she gets her money. It cuts out, and we see, you know, the club is full. They're not the only two people. This is just his fantasy in his mind. And as we see, once Mercedes um, agrees to to all the things that he's offering in season two, it doesn't work out. So this was like a little foreshadowing at how this was all going to fall apart anyways. That's what I think from this scene. That's true. That's true. Um, I like that point that you made about his fantasy perspective, about them being the only ones in the club. Mm -hmm. I like that because I didn't look at it like that, but that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So let's move on (laughs) to Cliff trying to get this tea, honey. Baby, listen, Cliff and this ID and trying to get this has been hilarious for me anyway. Um, what I love is the costume. Like, I need, I need Cliff in more braids. She looks so good, so stunning in braids. I want to see crochet. I want to see box braids. I want to see every kind of braids on Cliff next season because I, I think she just looks 
amazing and brave, um, the whole look. But, Tanika, you brought up last night that you didn't realize why she needed that ID so bad. Right. Right? Yep. Um, and I was like, Tanika, you didn't realize why she needed that ID so bad? Like, wh- why didn't you notice it? Like, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Like, I just wanted to know. I was like, dang, I think I'm going to just ask Tanika on the show instead of Twitter. Like, what do you think her desperate? What did you think her desperation for the ID was? Um, I don't know what I thought, why she was willing to fight for that ID. I think I didn't pay attention to that second text message that she got when she was standing outside mm-hmm. looking at Andre's text message. Mm-hmm. And when I finally paid attention to, to what that text message said, I realized for that ID because she only had like mm-hmm. a couple of hours left to claim that money. So I don't know yeah. how I missed that, but I did until mm-hmm. like yesterday. Yeah. Um, Tia, did you want to add to any of that, like that whole ID situation or cliff or in those moments? Well, that part was incredibly hilarious to me, just the way she waved. And one, going into the scene with how much of a hater Mercedes was being, uh, she was such a hater in this part of season one. But, like, how Unc waved the ID in front of her face, I was like, you're doing a bit much. And when I saw them little socks with the ball on it, I said, oh, she must have a case of them socks at home. But I, like, she could probably... You know what? You know what? Probably the first time I I didn't notice why she needs ID. Honestly, like Tanika, I didn't notice it in this scene. I didn't get it till the very end of the episode when the telex lady was like, you were just like, you almost were a couple minutes late for this. That's when I realized it. And then like Tanika, when I was getting my clips and stuff together, I was like, oh, because the change, like that scene with her, Big L, when it transitioned from Big L and Diamond to her, there was mm-hmm. like that split second where you might have thought that Diamond was like trying to get at at Haley too. In yeah. addition to Mercedes, it was like a split second. And then he just kind of gave her the cigarette and the light and walked off. And then I think I probably checked out at Andre's lame ass text message. So I never noticed <laughs> the other text message when they texted her about coming to get the transfer. But, yeah, so I had the same thing the first time. But, yeah, it was hilarious. I love that scene. Girl, Andre's ass needs to be on the ID channel, okay? (laughs) Like, he is the most creepy, like, to me, season one, he was all over the place. I was just like, baby, you need to go sit down. He was thirsty. When when Cliff said, you all thirsty, like, it was sex. It was sex. He was all over the place. And then when you trying to when you trying to hook up with Haley, like how you just I don't know. That was I was like really like you a whole married man and you just not even you didn't think to protect yourself at all. You was just really fixing to die being that joyful, right? Like you was just like ah, I'm gonna get into it. You like condom? Like that was so crazy to me. I was just like okay, I don't know where your dick been. But anyway, um, God, you want to add? Uh, 
Um, first of all, Sorry. I agree. I love the no, you're fine. I loved Uncle Clifford's look in the scene, of course. My whole thing is Haley knows she needs this ID. Why was she playing around? I feel like you trying to get your money, you need this ID. You know Uncle Cliff is on to you. Ma'am, could you please just go get the tea like you worried about the wrong things and she waited to the last minute so I feel like Uncle Clifford had to wave that idea in her face to remind her excuse me um you're not focused you know Haley was slipping in this moment to me but you know um yeah I loved it you know and, and Andre's little corny self sometimes though that's what gets you know that's what gets you you know, like, it's so corny, and then you smile afterwards, like, eh, but no, not Haley. Haley was like, this dude lame. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know, but, yeah. but can you, okay, so you, um, Tia, please forgive me if I'm wrong, Tia, I believe, mentioned the little scene with Big L and Diamond. That scene has always confused me, because it did seem like, God, the way Big L responded, it did come off like Diamond was like, no, nah, she's straight. Big L assumes, oh, you know, like, that's you. Okay. And then Diamond lights her right. cigarette and leaves her in the rain. I was like, what's going on in this transaction that I missed? What was, what was Diamond trying to do in sending Big L off? And I never, that was never clear to me. So I would like to ask if any of the other um, if either you, Koji, or Tanika, Tia, if you all have any insight on what that was about, because I've always been confused about that. I almost think he was trying to protect her from Big L. Now, we mm-hmm. haven't necessarily seen, except for in that scene with Big Bone in season two, we haven't necessarily seen Big L be thirsty like that. But right. it's the only thing that I can think that he was doing, like, I'm not going to leave her out here with him and then he does his Big L thing, I'm going to have him go in, give her a cigarette, and I'm going to leave her alone, too. I really liked it, when, though, when Diamond just turned around and went in, because I was like, oh, shit. Now he's about to try to get with her. He <laughs> clearly likes Mississippi. So I thought it was, like, dope when he actually just turned around and walked in. But that's the only thing I can think of is he was trying to protect her from Big L. Why? Maybe that's something we'll see in season three, because I don't feel like right. we've seen anything like that up to this point. Exactly. So that's why I was a little bit confused. That's interesting because I didn't even think about that. Hmm. Now I feel like I need to go back and rewatch that scene to analyze it a little bit more because I didn't, I didn't pick up. Y'all think that there was protection from Big L? That's how it kind of came off. Like, he was trying to, because Big L was, you know, like, oh, you need somebody with an umbrella. You know, like, he was trying to get a little flirty, and, and Diamond was like, no, mm-hmm. she's straight. He like, you know, like, so it seemed mm-hmm. like Diamond was inter, inter yeah. um, you know, interjecting in that space. Yeah, yeah. But then he just walks off. So mm-hmm. what was what was T? Because she still was mm-hmm. out there in the rain. <laughs> Either way, right? <laughs> Either way. He still was mm-hmm. out there in the raid. Either way, that's, mm. I don't know. I almost feel like with Diamond, he's so good at spirit reading. You mm-hmm. know, 
So I I almost feel like he he wants to remove himself. Like once he gets a vibe, he kind of removes himself. But I don't I don't know. I need to rewatch that scene. That's interesting. Okay. Um. So I want to move a little bit forward since we're already at one minute. I mean, one hour thirty nine minutes. I really want to talk about the background between Cliff and Corbin because I love that scene. I feel like the show has done such a good job at giving us Cliff and Corbin scenes, like intentional Cliff and Corbin scenes that led all the way to their paradise moment. Like it was a moment that, A, we were shocked. I think some of us was like, ooh, intrigued. I think some of us were like, oh, my God, this makes sense. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think they just really did such a great job of leading up to that pivotal moment. Um, And I'm just so intrigued and knowing, like, their whole backstory. Like, I mean, and y'all notice how Corbin always calls him Clifford. You know, Clifford. He don't never call Clifford. Like, he doesn't never say Cliff. Is, did we discuss that, that murder's the only one that says Cliff? Uh, I think, I think we probably did on, like, Twitter, yeah. So he's, so murder is the only one that says Cliff? Yeah, even Grandma yeah. Ernestine calls her Clifford. Yeah, he's the only one, which to me was a big thing when, whenever we revisit 102 again, the way he busted in and said Cliff there and like, well, Big Al clearly knew something was up, but it's like, well, well, nigga, like, what you mean, Cliff? Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's okay. So let's, let's, do y'all want to discuss that? Or it's just like, eh, it is what it is. There was no, there was nothing to pick apart or chat about. No. I think we should talk about it. Okay. Ja, go ahead and go first on that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you said um, I think we should talk about it. Okay, Miss Thing. Okay, you no, think we should I'm talk about talk. it. Go on. I, I'm ready to talk about it, sis. I'm ready to talk about it. So, <laughs> mm. so okay. um, I didn't quite pick up on it the first, you know, thousand times I watched season one, but <laughs> when <laughs> they got to the scene in season two. It was like, oh, to me, I always thought when Uncle Clifford was like, um, I, you know, I, you know, this tongue stay tied. I felt like she had gave a look like, you know what's up. So I had always thought that was um, in season one. That was the only thing that kind of led me to be like, huh, what's she talking about? So. I always thought that maybe something had happened, like um, either some experimentation or, you know, once upon a time in China, we, you know, this was our thing. But something I've noticed in general is that to me, Corbin always speaks to Uncle Clifford in a very soft tone. He's always very gentle with her, except for, you know, like when they have their little spat moments. But he's very gentle with her. He, um, 
you know, like you said, he lightly calls her Clifford. He almost whisper sings her name. So to me, is he gentle I, or submissive like a dog? Ooh, now that's <laughs> that's that's a point. But yep. he doesn't. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm here with you on that point. <laughs> I'm here. I'm seeing it. Yes. Um, oh, okay. Well, shut my mouth. Um, does anyone else want to Anyone else have anything to add? So in this scene, oh, whenever I watch it, <laughs> the submissive angle is actually very, very good because Corbin is totally a sub and Unc is totally a dom and I never got the dumb dom-sub relation between them. Now I completely see it and can never unsee it. Um, and so in this scene, like Jaja said, there is a bit of like sexual tension there. And I don't so much think on Unc's end, but this is, I think Danny and a few other people have talked about it on the timeline that Corbin is into Unc. And I always see it in this specific scene because everything about Corbin's interaction with Unc is to me very sexually charged. Like when she does say the tongue stay tied and she did a little movement with her lips and stuff like that. It was almost like he had to catch himself because he was ready to, you know, and then was like, oh, I got to get back to picking this cotton. It was almost like he transported, like how Josh said, something has happened between them and he transported almost like Unc did in the car to those moments that Mm -hmm. they shared and then was like, oh, wait, I can't go there. Let me get back to this cotton. I definitely felt that in this scene. And and what Giles also said was – with like the soft tone like when when Corbin gets bugged with like Haley and other people it's almost like shocking like a jump scare because he is so soft with Unc Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. remember she yoked him up in the neck in uh, 101 and he just smiled like yeah Remember, she was like, we ain't repressive like them heifers yeah, on the hill. 102, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Freaky Friday. She yoked him up in the neck, and he was like, ooh, yes, ma'am. Um, no, but remember in C- – oh, I'm sorry, girl. No, go ahead. My brain. No, I was thinking about remember when the irrigation system was fucked up, and remember when she was like, no. Ernestine ruled, and she touched him on his shoulder. Girl, it was like his dick got hard. <laughs> Did y'all see that? Oh, I've got <laughs> it. Okay, it was definitely okay, a look. I need to call down today. Okay, let me. Okay, I no, but you speak outside. No, the first time around, I caught the no, look, but I didn't know what the look was until later. It was it because he hadn't had any time with her. He's been craving mm-hmm. it. He's been like, he, 250000 to be beat. Like, he has been craving Cliff. He's been craving her and when she his shoulder, he was like, oh, oh. It was like, oh, oh. Like that, you know? So, yeah. he felt you the, think- the veins oh. with there. 
was he craving Cliff or was he just craving to be dominated? Because remember, for a long while, he was Keyshawn's regular, right? So Keyshawn was giving him the beatings in Paradise Room. She was. She was. But I also feel like that's because, but I feel like that was, that was not, remember Corbin said, no one does it like you. So I feel like Cliff had put a halt to it. And uh, Mr. Keyshawn was the fill-in. But that that just was temporarily satisfaction because that's that's just all he could get. So that makes me wonder why they why uh, Clifford put a halt to it. Why wouldn't Corbin just be her regular instead of Keyshawn's? She had things to do, people to take care of. Or maybe he wanted more she than she could offer, so she had to separate Ooh. that. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think Unc considers herself a sex worker per se. So to have a regular, like she is in the fact that obviously she runs the club, but I don't know that she would have wanted that to be, have a regular in that capacity. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then you throw in murder coming in and then, oh, girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, I can stay on this all day, so we, we probably need to move it forward because my brain is going to stick the shades. Oh, we're going to have to pick this up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, this, this, I'm this start one that is going to continue on. Yeah, we, 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 we may have to start that thread for real. Okay, Tanika, you you have anything else to add to that one? Because I know I didn't interrupt the fuck out of y'all. And I was trying to be. I'm sorry, y'all. I, no, I it's just fine. Went with y'all when I said submissive like a dog. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. We can we can move on to the next topic if you want to. Oh my God! Somebody please start a thread though. We have to discuss this. Um. Okay. Uh. What else? What else? Oh my God. Um, Patrice, let's can we can we give um girl, I can't even think. Okay. Can we can we give her, her due, please? Thank you. Woodbine. The Woodbine and Mercedes moment. Can we discuss? I as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what Mercedes wants the money for. If she going home and throwing it in the middle of the floor and doing snow angels, it's her mm-hmm. money. Get the girl her money. Like yep. I the Mercedes didn't even flinch. I we would have had a whole different interaction. If she was like, What you what you little ass needed for? The fuck? <laughs> Whatever the fuck I need it for. If I want to sit home and throw it in the air and shower myself all day with it, that's my fucking 20 G's. If you don't get the fuck. Anywho, that's my thing. <laughs> I live for it. I live for it. That was my thing. I never understood how she was just like, what's your last needed for? What's your last going to do with it? And I'm just like, what? I just always felt like, Trees, there was so much jealousy there in that relationship because she elevated. You know, she she used Mercedes for so long. 
to take care of them. And then once Mercedes started stacking her money for herself, she has her own house. She has her own car. Do you know how people feel when you don't no longer depend on them? Like when when you are self-sufficient, you don't need no motherfucker at all? Like they get real mad at that. So um, I think there's just such a um, – there's such a jealousy there. There's there's a hard a hardened heart for Mercedes, even though that's her daughter, and even though Mercedes was like hugging her so tight, like oh my god, thank you, mama, which is so sad when you think about it, because it's her money, you know. That's the sad part. But okay, so anybody want to add on to that, or can we uh-huh. move on to Terica's mouth? <laughs> I have to touch on, um, unless, Tanika, were you about to speak? No, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I would like to speak on the moment where after they have that, you know, transaction, you know, that conversation, right, and Sadie's moves in for the hug. Sadie's, Mm -hmm. I love how the show shows they have this combative relationship. They're like, whatever frenemies would be if it was between a mother and daughter, you know, um, mm-hmm. they love each other, they hate each other. And, but Mercedes is still always looking for Patrice at some point to be her mother, to be the mother she always wanted to be the, the mother Patrice should be. And Patrice is very hard. Like Mercedes throws her arms around her leans her head on her. She's so proud of what she's about to do. And Patrice cannot even give her any type of emotion, any type of response. And at first glance, you want to, you know, hate Patrice for this. But it got me thinking last night, what has Patrice dealt with, maybe with her own mother or in her life, that she is so hardened to emotion that even her daughter um, finally softening and, 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 and seeking, and she has nothing to give in response. Mm-hmm. That really well, just Ernestine is her sister. Out. Hmm? What? <laughs> what? So, so Ernestine is her sister? Dean is whose sister? Girl, let me get Did I say Ernestine somewhere in there? Anyway. No. <laughs> That's just something I came up no, with. No. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Wait, Tanisha, I'm doing that thing that I do on the timeline, you know, when I pop in like every few hours into a thread and I just throw some shit out there. <laughs> like Don where did I even come from though? <laughs> I'm trying to put a theory out there. Okay. I'm trying to put oh, a theory okay. out there. What if Ernestine what if Ernestine, because they have a real disdain for each other, at least on, on uh grandmother Ernestine's side, maybe that is her sister. I'm going to say I doubt 
Hello, hello, her sister. Hello? I don't think I don't think sister, but I think maybe Patrice <laughs> used to work in the brothels when Ernestine <laughs> and them had a brothel going. Somebody said in that flashback that um, when grandmother had when she was singing, Loretta was singing, and they were doing the like all the the montage of all the years of the juke joint that Mercedes, I mean, that Patrice was in there, like, basically hoeing, like, undercover hoeing in those flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it like that, but that was actually a big theory that was going around. So they definitely have a relationship of some sort. And I can see that. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my thing. Wait, hold on, guys. Can y'all hear us? Now, what is going on? You guys are having a good time here. Let us know in the chat. I don't mean to interrupt you, um, Tia. I'm just trying to see what's going on with the chat. Because I don't want us to go in and out now. Oh, let us know. Can y'all hear us? You said no? Okay. Two for one special says she can hear. But Jay Clark's novelty said no. So it looks like two people can't hear us. Miss Kane said I never lost sound. Oh, okay. Uh, So Jay Clark said she can hear you now. Okay. Okay, Thank and Simply Amazing says she can hear. Okay. All right. Thank Hopefully you all. That, yeah, thank you all for letting us know. Hopefully um, in the playback, everything will be okay. I can hear you now, but it was going um, in and out. Maybe it's on my end. Oh, okay. Hopefully the playback won't mess up, um, but thank you all for letting us know. Okay. Um, so last okay. night, I, so um, mm-hmm. when I was doing the clips, like Tanika, I saw, I'd never really listened to Patrice's um, sermon when she was on there practicing or whatever she was doing and what she said. And it was, I saw <laughs> both the good and the bad in her. And it made me think kind of like what John mm-hmm. said, I really want her backstory now because I really want to know how she got here because it doesn't seem like she's always had this kind of hustle mentality, like get over mentality. It's either like me or them kind of mentality that she has now. And like I said, I I stand Pastor Wood, I'm sorry, Mayor Bishop in a few different scenes and things that she does. But I don't know if it's like Josh said, Mm -hmm. if it was her upbringing, her parent, or if the reason why she is uh, like she's jealous of Sadie's is because, or doesn't seem to necessarily like Sadie's is because of whoever Sadie's father is. Like maybe that's the relationship that 
maybe it was some underage thing, kind of like Mercedes, because the way that mm-hmm. she reacted in that diner that day, it was real overkill. But when I'm looking at this scene here, it's like, I wonder who Sadie's dad was, and it was in a similar situation. And in her own kind of Mayor Bishop way, she was trying to protect Mercedes from that, basically going down the same route she went down, which Mercedes ended up doing it. But something may Mm -hmm. have been like maybe she got molested, or maybe it was a situation where an older dude took advantage of her because it's a lot of – I feel like she was good at some time and then turned. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Because it seems like she really wants to – I just can't wait for season three because we really had a good time with that theory Thursday, didn't we? And about Mary Bishop and where this whole thing can go. I think we're just going to – because we can go all day with that series. Right, Tia? The one that we were talking about with Mayor Bishop and the bodies and the... Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, right, yeah. So, yep. I mean, I, I, just, I just feel like Mayor Bishop is getting that overarching, like, um, what do you, like, redemption, right? Like, she is that character you love to hate, but at the same time, she is that character probably has the most knowledge of the town, if you think about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, she knows mm-hmm. the ins and outs, the grit, the underworld. The, I mean, she if anybody would be able to solve anything that is the underbelly of that, that town, it would be her. I feel like she knows all the dirt, you know? Um, right. So her becoming the bear is kind of like genius. It's a big fight. Um, Okay, so let's let's move on because we do need to take calls. Um, I do want to kind of touch on how do y'all feel about Donald? Because I know we've had this debate before. Some people want Mississippi with Wody. Some people want Mississippi with Diamond. Um, when Keyshawn comes in, they're doing the Trinity practice on the pole. She's obviously bruised, which she is always bruised, right? Um, I don't know. I was just noticing how is there not necessarily less empathy for Mississippi from the girls. I think at this point they're just probably used to she probably has a lot of bruises on her. You know what I'm saying? You know how you're just like, okay, she's probably bruised, blah, blah, blah. But I do like the tenderness from Diamond, and he is constantly trying to heal her. He's constantly trying to be like, I will kill him for you. Um, So that foreshadowing was always there. Um, How do you guys feel about that? Like, do you want her with Diamond or Wody or, like, how are y'all set up on that? Um, yeah, I'll, oh, I'll Tia said that. Okay. Go, Tia. Go ahead. I don't ship climate at all. Like, because to me, it's two broken people, and I feel like they're only attracted to each other because they're both broken. I don't know that Diamond will ever get the help he needs, but I think at some point, Mississippi will. And I think that trauma bond that's been created will be broken 
once she's healed. Like, I don't think they'll have the same attraction. I did kind of like her with Wody um, because I had taken some of those things as them being like attracted but as I'm rewatching them I'm getting more of a friend vibe from him but also Tanika I said I don't know she'll talk about it um I want to see her get healed be healthy and have a relationship with a new healthy person or Mm. even if we end this and sit don't have no relationship at all and she just finds herself Mm -hmm. and is just great with being herself but I don't like the climbing or a Wody connection. I want those, like, even if she does dip into Diamond for a little bit, I want them to, like, get to the point where they're like, this ain't working, and he just ends up being her protective big brother. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Tanika? For for me, I think, like Tia said, uh, uh, Keyshawn's most important relationship right now probably needs to be with herself. Um. I've never gotten any attraction from her towards Wody. So even if he was flirting in one or two uh, uh, scenes, I I don't think she sees him like that. And I don't want her to because I think he would work best as, you know, a friend like Murda is and a a big brother like Murda is. Uh, Mm Keyshawn and Diamond, the first, you know, season, first couple of episodes, I think I saw it for them. But, you know, how do you come back from someone pulling a gun on you? I, I, I don't see how they repair that relationship. So I, I want to see them together, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense in the sense of, like you said, I did love the tenderness. As a healer, I understand, like, his where Tia says that trauma bond, he is a healer. So he's already, that's his thing. And she is wounded all the time. So I definitely agree that's not the best thing to start a relationship based off of. But I do love the tenderness that he takes with her, the gentleness that um, he gives her because her life is hard. And um, even when she's with the Oh, she's in pain all the time because she's bruised, she's beaten. And so I think I was shipping them for sure season one prior to episode eight um, because I loved his gentleness with her. Um, and But then I just, you know, yeah, how do you come back from, you know, pulling a gun on a person? Right. I, I do agree. I don't, I don't know if I see the Wody connection, but I do believe that mm-hmm. um, she has to learn to love herself. She has to learn to find her own strength mm-hmm. and hopefully maybe in the future have someone who, you know, is also whole. So I, I think I agree with, at first I didn't see it. I was like, what are you saying, you know, about the trauma bond situation? But no, it makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I think, um I think she should find herself and her own healing, her own strength before she partners up with someone um, in the future who would also be equally healed and maybe walking in their autonomy, you know. Yeah, so well, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I always believe, you know, I'm, I know a lot of people feel like um, they have that saying, oh, you complete me, but I hate that because I always feel like complementary partnerships are better. Um, 
because I feel like each person should be complete, right, before getting into a partnership or relationship. Um, and if you're still broken, then that can definitely be um, a broken relationship, right, because both people are not complete. And the whole purpose of a partnership is to, when you are not having a good day, someone who is complete can fill you back up and, and vice versa. You know what I'm saying? If my tank, if my tank is half and your tank is low, bitch, we can't do nothing for each other. You know what I'm saying? Like we, mm-hmm. we really can't. So, um, I definitely agree with that sentiment altogether. <clears throat> um, I just want diamond out of the trunk because at this point, can't nobody help nobody. Diamond in the trunk, Keyshawn in jail, murder back with Cliff. I mean, at this point, can't nobody help nobody. Everybody has to get out of their situations before we can even move forward. Um, I think what I want to kind of give my opinion on, I mean, before we start taking, because we really need to do that, um, is the DJ never scared. And I said this last night because I said it to be silly, but I'm really curious to know um, how he, how DJ never scared came into the pink. I think what he's 15, 16 years old. Um, Nafisha, Alfonso's wife, did say that her relative was working at that age too at the strip club. Um, I feel like DJ Nevisked may be a graduate of the Pink. And, you know, like Jupiter, she's going to nursing school, too, and working there. So maybe graduate of the Pink, he's been there just like Regal. Cliff was feeding uh, bottles to DJ Nevisked. And, you know, it just makes sense for him to end, end up DJing there. And, um so I feel like that may be the background of how he ended up at the Pink. And um, I think falling came together good. I also feel like the fact that Murder Thought Sadie was on that pole and it ended up being Mississippi, it all worked out perfectly. It all worked out perfectly. So I want us to start discussing that so we can start taking calls in the next hour. So I'll start with Ja. What do you think about DJ Never Scared? Um, If we want to go ahead and move into the cliff and murder at the end, you know, let's just discuss all that first. Okay, so as to DJ Never Scared, um, I think it's interesting. DJ Never Scared goes to a prep school, DJ Never Scared's mama is making that ill quinoa stuffing. First of all, black people eat dressing. His mama took in quinoa stuffing. I'm like, who is his mother? Because he apparently she drops him off at the club for his shift at night, but also she making that ill quinoa salad. So, you know, she's giving rich bitch vibes. She's giving, you know, I got money. But also my son work at the strip club at night. So I'm a little bit like, hmm, I'm curious to see where this is going to. My thought last night was like maybe 
uh, DJ Never Scared is adopted, you know, some well-meaning white woman, you know, has adopted her little black baby, and he goes to the finest of schools, but she's like, you know, I need my son to know his culture. <laughs> so she drops him off at the club. But then, no, like, ma'am. who would do that? Like, yeah. who would do that? But where, yeah. what is, why is this mama making quinoa stuffing yeah. if she black? Yeah. yeah. Ma'am. I told you that I like quinoa. What the hell is going on with your brain? You know damn well ain't no white woman in your family going to go in the hood and drop no Forget the quinoa part. Stuffing. Okay, but, but, yeah, let's be real, honey. They could be having a garden like Oprah, okay? Let's be real. And he, he wants to be a music producer, so maybe she ain't got the money. And did you see the basement? Girl, that lady black. She ain't got. She ain't that rich. He he wants to be a producer, right? So you know. So he's working to support him? his prep school. And hello, there you go, baby. Let's be real. That black. That's but I need her to quit mama. making she stuff and learn how to make dresses. She listen. She's a black mama because ain't no way I'm about to pay for no studio time. You gonna get your ass in that basement. You gonna put some boxes together. Put some eggshells <laughs> down there. What we learned. What I learned at the paint. And, you know, I'm going to talk to Uncle Cliff, and you can get hone your skills at the club because that's where they be. Now, you know that. Now, I will give you that. And so maybe he's working mm-hmm. to pay for his higher education because she don't want him to go to mm-hmm. Chuck Elisa High. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I still think she needs to quit yeah. making stuff. In. But anyway, <laughs> that's my thoughts on mm-hmm. DJ Never Scared <laughs> and his job at the tank. Don't y'all get me started now. I'll be trying to be cute. I'll be trying to keep it cute. (laughs) Tia, Tia, help me. Tia. Oh, my God. Tia, come on, girl. So I always thought, um, so I never saw until Erica mentioned it in a thread. I never saw, I, I don't know if they mentioned it or if it was just kind of implied that his mom had to be a pink graduate that has a little bit of money. And then I was talking to my best friend, and he was like, well, they don't necessarily have to have money. He could be a scholarship kid going to that school. And I was like, mm, but I was like, job, but the quinoa stuff and no, I don't, <laughs> I feel like these, right? ain't, you know, these ain't regular black folks out here cooking. Bruh, like, where wait. did you get the quinoa stuffing recipe from? Like, who told you about quinoa? Like, what is going on? So, I don't know, but this actually does have me interested now in DJ Never Scared Backstories. They're going to have to have a whole season of backstories at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to know about everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashback Chuck Alisa. Let's go. I'm ready for the title. I'm ready. I'm ready for it all. Flashback Chuck Alisa. Come on. I'm ready. Okay, Tamika, batter up. Let's go. <laughs> um, I never gave the the quinoa stuff in a second thought, <laughs> so that's funny to me. To me, I they have to have. I, I don't mess with quinoa, but they dragging it for some I reason. Love quinoa is so good <laughs> with spinach and cranberries in it. Oh my god, I love quinoa. Go ahead. Um, they must have some money some. Not because of 
private school, but because of that studio in the basement, because that equipment to record full tracks, that's not cheap. So even though the house didn't mm-hmm. look grand, they have some money from somewhere. So maybe um, his mother was a graduate. Maybe she found a white sponsor at, at, at the pink who took her out of there, kind of like Coach wanted to do for uh, Mercedes uh, and gives her some money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But also, um, how old is she? she's a nurse like Jupiter. She's, like 15, I, I mean, I thought he was 17 going on 18. So when y'all started talking about 15, oh. this much. That's what oh, I, I thought. I thought he was like 15, 15. Okay. But I think we ended up he, on like 14, 15. Yeah. He's 15 um, in season one. Yeah. To me, that's 15. young because yeah. they don't have the club till dawn, and then he has to get up and go to school immediately. Oh. Like, how how is that working? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, that Baby, age is just wild to me. It it is very wild, but I mean, I think she probably all Katori. I'm telling you, when when uh, my feature said that, I was like, oh okay. And then you know, with all of the research that Katori did, I mean, you know, it's possible. But that's why I feel like the mother is a graduate of the team, just because of the whole life. You know what I'm saying? Just because yeah. of the whole life, there's something about a comfortability there because. Uncle Cliff is seen as like the mother, the god, fairy godmother of so many people. Everybody respects her. I'm like curious to how the fuck Duffy ended there. Like that's crazy to me. This fucking dude is up there tonight. You know what? What Uncle Cliff would say? What Uncle Cliff is gonna think? Ain't no vitamin D in the VIP. Like everybody is. There's a certain. I mean, that's crazy to me. So. I just feel like the mom is like, okay, Uncle Cliff, if you go, it, it's just crazy. That I don't know, I don't know, but that's how I feel like his his mom obviously graduated, probably was doing the same thing like Jupiter, probably a, a nurse, a nurse making damn good money at the medical center, um, and he go to and just like any prep school like around here. He probably is on a music scholarship because he's obviously a damn good music producer. So music scholarship, you're not paying no money. You're at the best prep school. You're on a music scholarship. Period. That's my opinion. So, and let me, and you know what? While I'm here, now y'all bringing them pics about him being musty. Now he left under the bridge and went to the club, and we fawning over him being at the club with Uncle Bert. But he's still in the same outfit. We not fawning over him. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We like how he appreciates our good sis. That that scene ain't had nothing to do with murder. Man, <laughs> what?
I don't think murder oh be messy, and I need y'all to stop it. <laughs> Listen. Y'all guys will stop <laughs> As it's long hot. as I see, because we talking about because we talking about DJ Never Scared, he producing and they under the bridge and it's hot. And I'm thinking about Houston hot and humid. And baby, it be hot and humid out here. I'm like, baby, I feel bad for the guy. So please leave that man alone with the with the hotness. It's hot. Oh, I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I- <laughs> Get somebody else to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, I am not Team Musty Marcus. I'm sorry. Y'all going to have to stop. Y'all going to have to get off my boy Pop. I'm sorry. Somebody got to stand up for Lamarcus mm-hmm. out here. No. I'm going to stand up for him. As long as I believe see that boy those, take two showers a day. As long as they put those other pictures of murder on my timeline, I'm going to be ready with a musty gift <laughs> to put on your timeline. That's <laughs> fine. Oh, my God. I cannot stand y'all. Okay, Kendra. Kendra, somebody I started that. Well, I need you to stop. Because, baby. It was. Uh-uh. We, we, she we was the main the... one. Kendra was? Yep. Wait a minute. What you say, Tia? I just want to know why neither the house nor the car have. You know what? Okay. I'm not going to read that chat out loud. Never mind. Okay. Forget I ever mentioned anything about the pick, you guys. Okay, any conversation that Tia is talking about that will be left in the chat, and um, yeah, go in the chat and converse there because I don't have time for. Oh hell no, Kanisha. <laughs> see, y'all. Okay, that right there. I'm, I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> don't bring that shit. I gotta. I'm gonna hold it down for Team and Lamarcus. We trust. I'm. I'm not in that. You know, I'm murder mafia. But y'all gonna have to get off his top. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got somebody got to stand up for them. I got y'all, Danny and Lamarcus. We trust. I got y'all. See. No, no. I'm murder mafia, but um, somebody gotta hold it down for for Danny and uh whoever else is in. Please forgive me. Lex, I'm a, oh, Lex, I got mm-hmm. y'all. I'm I'm a murder oh, mafia. In the markets we trust. Okay, no more, not y'all, no not more y'all, musty. Not, I got y'all. not y'all. Listen, not y'all gonna get us banned because they think we talking about gangs. Okay, <laughs> hello, no ma'am. What? Not murder mafia and gang. They gonna be like, wait, murder mafia? What are they talking about? No, no, no somebody ma'am. has to stand up for him because. I'm tired of seeing him musty on the timeline, too. Please stop. <laughs> nope. Every time I see oh in LaMarcus We Trust on my timeline, I'm coming with a musty okay. picture. But you admit he's musty, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, we, no, okay, he's wet. We don't he's smell moist. the screen. We don't smell he's, the screen, ladies. He's a little sweaty. He is not musty. He's a little moist. You, you know, he looked like you know he's probably musty. You know how you you know how you used to go outside back in the day and you come inside and your grandma say, "Oh, you smell like outside." He probably smell like outside, like we all. Do. He smell like outside and blood. And what does outside musty. smell like? Mm-hmm. Musty. It's like grass and trees. 
smell it like outside. Need, if you need, put on, need to get if you if you put on the odorant and it's one hundred four degrees and you ain't got no air in your car, ma'am, you're not smelling musty. You're smelling like outside, ma'am. No air in the car or the house. Priorities, priorities. But my, I believe Myrtle showers my daily, thing, at least twice a day. I'm sorry. I believe he. I, my, I believe he takes at least two showers a day. We haven't but seen him in the tub is, yet. Is, girl, but my thing is, <laughs> it's all about what? Appreciate the come up. We're going to get off this topic because, see, I shouldn't even say shit. God damn it, it's my fault. I apologize to all the Pink Sunday Live Unfinished Business listeners. That was my fault, okay? Because this is on the timeline. Okay, we are talking about the show. And now we're going to move on to, oh, hell no. Okay, now <laughs> we're going to move on to <laughs> callers. Remember, oh, my God. Remember, remember, please limit your comments to, like, five minutes, three minutes, five minutes, okay? Or I'm going to hang up or mute. Okay, we have 54 minutes in the show. Kendra, I'm telling you right now, I see you on this line. Do not come on here with the shit, okay? Stick to 103, higher ground, okay? Because I'm hang up on you, okay? 757, I don't think I've ever seen your area code. So I'm gonna let you in, and uh, yeah, um, do not encourage Tia. Tia, you know what? As a host on the show, ma'am, you are being extra risky. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you got and you watering and you got water in your eyes and all that kind of stuff. And Kendra, do not be telling me to answer the phone, baby. This is not AT and T. Okay. Thank you. Now, you just keep on holding, ma'am, because 757 been on hold for five minutes and 46 seconds, which I appreciate. Hold on. Okay. Um, that's not saying that murder must. Oh, Lord Jesus. Baby, who is this? 757. Yo. Who is this? Um, Y'all know Winnie the Pooh on Twitter? It's uh, who? It's Pooh. Yes, her. <laughs> who? Who? Pooh. Pooh. P O O H. Pooh. Did she say it's Winnie the Pooh? Yeah. That's her ad on Twitter. P O O H. Jesus, take the wheel. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Not y'all saying murder musty, though. That's crazy. Oh my God! Okay, so what do you think? Who about the stone? Oh my God! Okay, yeah, I'm saying murder must be on live radio. It's insane. No, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. It ma is insane. No, we stick, we sticking, we sticking to higher ground. Okay, this is not going to turn to a musty debate. And I apologize to the radio listeners today. I shouldn't have made a comment. 
I thought I thought what I was doing was I don't know what the fuck I thought. Um, but don't be coming in Kendra. Okay. <laughs> this oh, whole thing oh, is just what you have. Oh, what do you have to say about the episode, ma'am? Um, it was probably one you of my favorite episodes. I am. I'm talking about it. <laughs> Let me bring in Kendra and I'm going to mute her. Hold on. Oh my Who? god. We gotta pull go it together. Ahead, go ahead. Go go ahead, uh, Pooh. Cause I didn't mute it, Kendra. <laughs> All I was saying was that that probably was one of my favorite episodes out of the first season. Okay, what did you like okay. about it? Because it showed it showed the the come up like a little bit because you know DJ never scared helping murder and like you know offering him a studio sesh or like you know helping him with his music, you know. Mhm. And then okay. it just it it, it just showed how like you know Cliff and Murder like help each other but not really knowing it. It's it's dope. But yeah, that's all I have. Why do you say that? Why why you say that that um it shows that Cliff and Murder help each other without even knowing it? Cause of, cause right. they never scared. Yeah, and then also because okay. of the the Wee Wang. Remember that was in episode two though. But you know what I'm saying? It's like oh okay, they make yeah yeah yeah. That's all I really okay. had to say. Y'all can let Kendra in though. Thank you, Thank you for, for calling. calling. This your first time, huh, Pooh? Yep. <laughs> I appreciate you. Are you are you in the chat too? Nah, I was trying to get in the chat, but I got to sign up. I ain't even signed up for it yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But thank, you. but thank you for calling in, though. Thanks, Pooh. Of yes, course. Of course. We appreciate it, Pooh. I'm calling okay. next Sunday thank too. Thank you, dear. Okay, right. yes, we we will be because we we doing two oh one next Sunday. Bet. Okay. All right, dear. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, Kendra. Now what is it? <laughs> hey, oh, no, hey, y'all. Kendra. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. Oh Lord. Hey, girl. I, I just came in not too long ago. Everybody had me doing something. So I came in like at the, I think it was like the 58 mark. That's what it was saying. So, yeah, came in at the wrong time. The best time, really. So what do you want to comment on for the show? I'll be back on the yeah, show. Yeah, for okay. 102, 103, I'm <laughs> Higher ground. That's what y'all are talking about. The show. Um, one of my favorite episodes too. You know, um, the only thing I didn't like—I don't know if y'all touched about it—the whole situation with Corbin and I feel like with Corbin and Cliff. Mhm. Oh, mm-hmm. 
Have y'all okay. talked about that part yet? We have. Yeah, but why you didn't like it? That's what I want to know. The whole situation, because I felt like he was he was keeping Cliff in the dark about um, the future going on with the casino and mm-hmm. the pink. Like he clearly seen that Cliff right. thought he was going to be a part of the whole situation, and because you could yeah. tell all over his face, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, I agree. We didn't we didn't uh, cover that the deceit part of it. So definitely, yeah, definitely. Thank you for bringing up that angle because I didn't I didn't like that either. You you want to get your ass beat, but you don't want to tell me everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Uncle Clifford was genuinely happy and excited for Corbin and even thinking she was going to be a part of it. And Corbin stood there and said nothing for his longtime friend. I think that's great that you brought that up, Kendra. And that's mm-hmm. what made me kind of like not like Corbin because I kind of peeped it when I first watched it because I had to run it back a couple of times. And I'm like, wait a minute. like, And then I had to run the scene back. I said, well, maybe I'm missing something. And I was like, I've seen it again. I'm like, no, nah, Corbin, I don't think I'm going to like you. I know you got history mm-hmm. with Cliff, but I don't think I'm going to like you because you being like your other side. I think Corbin definitely felt guilty about not <laughs> telling her. Um, because one of the first things he said when he walked up to her that he wasn't keeping secrets. So for him not to tell her that Pink basically was going to have to be demolished for the, the casino to go through, I think he did feel bad about that. But I always wonder why she never confronted him about it and it confronted Andre at the end of the episode. She didn't go back to Corbin and say, you knew that the mm-hmm. pink wasn't a part of the casino. Why didn't you tell me that? Right. Agree. Which, which further got me, uh, you know, said because that part, yeah, and then I was like, well, maybe she, you know, wasn't thinking about Corbin because she was so gun ho on thinking that, you know, um, Sleazy Man, the uh, mayor, and Andre was trying to mainly, you know, Mr. Mayor Man, I don't like to say his name, um, possibly her daddy, um, was trying to, you know, mess her over. So I guess she was just gun hole on them two. Right. Yeah, other than that, it was a cute little episode. I liked it. Okay. Let me bring in, um, because Area Code Three Two One has been holding for quite a while. So let me let me bring. Let me bring this person in. Kendra, do you want to stay on the line? If you have anything else? Oh, uh, yeah. Because uh, there's something <laughs> at the end I want to touch on. Uh-huh. Okay. Hold mm-hmm. on. 2-1, who is this? Oh, I just noticed I was on mute. My bad. This is Trill. 
Hey, girl. Hey. 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 You, you wanted to talk last week, but you had to go. <laughs> yeah, I had some, um, <laughs> someone call me, and then I had some things to do. Oh, well, thank you for calling back this week. You see us cutting up. I was, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I ain't going to bring up what y'all was talking about earlier, but anyway. <laughs> um. Thank you. We're moving on. Um, what I wanted to touch on earlier, what because um, I even mentioned this to um, Tanika on Twitter, was when Haley was asking for the ID back. My whole um, thing was the whole time I thought she wanted it back because earlier Unc did threaten to tell Chef Bailey about the fraud game she was running. So I initially, because I didn't mm-hmm. pay attention to the text messages because of what Andre said, I was off that. I was like, you lame. Anyway. Um, so I thought she wanted it back for that reason. And then when I actually went back and paid attention, oh, she's trying to get that money. That's why yeah. she wants that ID so bad. And that never mm-hmm. clicked for me. Okay. That's why I thought she wanted it. But, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. I didn't want nothing. Oh. But thank you that's for tapping you in with us. Say. We are happy to hear from you. Thank you for letting me speak. Are you in the uh, chat, Charles? Am I in the which chat? The show in chat. The, um, oh, this one? Oh, no, the I got to sign chat. up. I'm, I just be listening. I ain't even oh, sign yeah, up yet. Oh, yeah, y'all ain't feeling Okay, y'all ain't feeling the sign up. I got you. I got you. Okay, you? okay but thank no, you for calling up. me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Oh, thank okay. you for letting me speak. Oh, you're welcome, dear. See you on Twitter. Oh. See you. Bye. Okay. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Not not my computer frozen. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Not my. Not my computer frozen. But who is on co-host right now? Um, Tia, you on co-host? I, I I I I am. I don't know what to uh, do. What the hell? Are you stuttering some. I am too, but I don't have I don't have any callers. I I'm literally over y'all today. Like, so <laughs> let me get this straight. Nobody is in studio today. I I'm am in the studio. Am I supposed to be seeing callers? Because I sure don't. Y'all don't see nothing on the switchboard. I don't see no, no switchboard. I don't girl. see a switchboard. Lord Jesus. Okay, so in the meantime, should we just have everybody put their questions in the chat no, no, no. so we can figure out what's going on? Or no, 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 no. We're still li- no, we're still live, sweetie. Trail, are you still on the phone? Okay, no, so she just hung up. Kendra, you still on the phone? Yeah, I'm still here. Kendra? Okay, yeah. See, I just, the computer just froze. But, like, that's just my screen. Like, the chat is still open for y'all, right? Yeah, the chat is still open. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. It's still open for y'all. It's it's just my computer. So, I'm just um, going. So, why don't you just switch to the next topic while you sort that yeah what's the next topic 
Yeah, I'm good. I'm in the studio on my phone, that's all. Um, I'm running the switchboard for my phone now. Okay, so let's see. Next right. topic. Um, oh, you guys. So let's, do y'all have anything to talk about? Well, did you want to discuss when Andre came to talk to Cliff in the in the paradise room, which I still find hilarious, the whole anesthesiologist, which apparently is a true story, according to Katori. She actually interviewed um, a stripper that said she got paid $400 to sleep. I just want to sign up for that job. Right? Like, oh, my God, I could use a good melatonin melatonin sleep and get paid, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, so did y'all want to discuss that part, the whole Andre and Cliff thing? I just I, I can't get out of my mind that Cliff had no clue who Andre is being that he grew up in Chuckalisa. But I mean, okay. Yeah. Do y'all want to discuss that or y'all have anything else to add about the episode? Well, the old mayor as I'll call him says I I think this thing is we we're not saying certain names. Um he said remember in the scene where they were at the grounds for the upcoming I wanna say maybe it's the park. And he says, you know, you left before the old ways got ingrained in you. So I believe that Andre was, like, he says born and raised, but I feel like he was born and then spent some time there, but that maybe his family moved him um, at an early age. Because he mentions, he says, "You, you left before the old ways could get ingrained in you, but you came back. So... I think that might be why, although Andre is like, I'm from here, this is my home, mm-hmm. he's a stranger to everyone outside of um, the old mayor, if you will. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes I get a little, dang, how do you not know him? But that's true. Okay. Tia? Or anybody else? I love this scene. Um, I the funniest part of the scene is when um, Andre basically talks back to her like, "What you talking about? You about to keep you not ever selling this? If the devil wears ice skates, whatever she says." When <laughs> yeah. they basically <laughs> saying, "You ain't long for this world," and <laughs> Big L's like, "Mm-hmm." <laughs> Somebody call me. Wait a minute. 
in my phone. Call somebody by mistake. No. <laughs> this is so we are having so much fun. Like this so much is happening. <laughs> so much is happening. This replay is about to be bananas. But we gonna keep it rolling. We let's keep it let's keep the party rolling though in spite of I do have, and this is not just this specific situation, but like um, Keita said in the um, in the chat, like if all these people grew up in Chuckalisa, the fact that nobody seems to really know each other until the show has always been interesting to me because they talk about it being this super small town, but then you know ain't nobody seen murder walking in and out of Unk's house, so maybe it's kind of big. Who knows? I mean, it might be a, still a small town, but I mean, you still don't, you might not know everybody. My mom lives in a pretty small town in Tennessee, um, and she grew up there. So, like, people who grew up there, they, you know, know a lot of people, but a lot of people, I still just can't figure, like, everybody has to know everybody, especially if you didn't travel in the same circles. Like, you might have heard about the pink, but you might not know about everybody in the pink, you know. Um, although I do feel like everybody will be talking about Uncle Clifford because she's larger than life everywhere she goes. But I don't know. Well, I was, with Andre specifically, I don't think – Cliff ran the pink when he lived there because that was still the juke joint. So I can get how he didn't know, but murder, that's, and this is for another day, but I've always thought, how does a closeted gay gangster not know the non binary gay owner of the only nightclub in the whole city? Like, not know her, but at least know of her. Okay. Hello? Well, who's to say he didn't know? Hey, girl. Hey, you back with us? Oh, my God. Yes, it disconnected. Go ahead. Okay. So I was thinking maybe it wasn't that he hadn't known of her, but maybe he had never met her. Maybe he had never seen her. Um, we know now from season two that prior to Unk, he was usually with men who could pass. So maybe Unk wasn't necessarily on his radar. He might not have even known that he would have been attracted to someone like her. But when they bumped into each other in the club, you know, he was like, oh, this is something different and I'm, I'm feeling it. You know, he said he says in um, 207, he used to only mess with with niggas that could pass that were like him. What do y'all think, Tanika? I'm sorry, I just had to disconnect, and I literally just came back in, so I didn't hear what the question was or any any of that. That's probably my fault because I actually had to connect from, oh, God, what a mess. But anyway, I, I'm hoping it was just like a short break in the air. Um, ja and Tia, y'all were kind of talking right while I was kind of disappeared for a minute. Yeah, there wasn't dead air. There wasn't dead yeah. air. Oh, perfect. Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry about that, you guys. My 
my laptop like overheated or something. And luckily with Blog Talk Radio, what they do is they're like, this you're disconnected. Do you want to continue or end the show? And then it'll let you let you direct connect like through a little app or something. So, um, but what did y'all what did y'all ask Tanika though? So, well, we're just asking um, if she had anything to add to the fact. So, like Tia asked, if, well, brought up the point that like how does murder a closeted gay gangster have never heard of Uncle Clifford? And then I raised the point that maybe he may have heard of her or known of her existence, but they might not have known each other. And that by mm-hmm. Lil Murda saying in 207 that previously he had only dated guys who could pass like himself, mm-hmm. that he might not have even known that oh, um, someone such as Uncle Clifford would be on his radar until they bumped into each other at the pink. Mm-hmm. And then I- we're just wondering if anybody, what your thoughts might be on that. I think we talked about on the timeline, like what age he was when he went to jail. Maybe he like hadn't been of age to get in the club yet. So that's why he hadn't met her. I think it's a small town, but like age groups know each other. So Ernestine knows Tydell and she knows um, Patrice Woodbind because they probably would have, uh, uh, been in town at the same time like her daughter would have maybe grown up with them and then Clifford and Corbin kind of know each other and and they're of an age group I I think the the disconnect is, to me is the ages mm-hmm. of the people that that don't know each other around town mm-hmm. that's how I I, I uh, uh, think about why these people in a small town who probably should know each other maybe that's why they don't because there's really no other explanation I can think of for it um yeah and I think y'all can hear me good right Mhm. okay good um and I also think that they've set up different life circumstances for each character that I mean in a regular setting it's very, very confusing, but in Chuckalisa world, because this person has been in jail for this long, this person is blind, and I'm confused why nobody then came out their house to check on she in a whole ambulance with flashing lights. Now, in a normal world, everybody coming outside mm-hmm. sees, oh, everybody. Lord, who, who, who getting on the stretcher? Who, but, but somehow, ain't nobody came out. You know, mm-hmm. well, okay, is she living in a blind community too? Like, you know, like there's so many circumstances that they've set up. Like we know Big L, like Big L said, man, where the fuck I'm going to go, Clifford? Like where where I'm going? Like I can't nobody, ain't nobody going to hire me. Well, in a regular world, it's like, okay, there's a lot of places that we know hire felons but okay, I guess not. Like, everybody's so dependent on Cliff. Lil Murder, we know, was in jail for, what, four years or something? I assume the club is 21 and up. Right. So that would kind of make sense, you know? Um, So I just think the the show just kind of gives you such an alternate world where everybody has different circumstances. So you can kind of um, rationalize 
why things are the way they are. Or we just end up theorizing on Thursday, right? It's making sense of it all ourselves. So. Okay. Um, Kendra, are you still on the, are you still on the line, Kendra? Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you did you want to add Oh, okay, girl. Did did you want to add to to any of that? Um I wanted to uh make a really with the whole um murder not knowing I, it's kind of like a theory mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with the whole thing where, you know, everybody was like, how does Cliff, that's another thing, like, Cliff is always wearing, mm-hmm. you know, always wearing green and um, red and stuff like that, and it's like, how he not mm-hmm. know what is the theory that, you know, everybody was talking about, a couple of people was talking about on Twitter that maybe she was missing one of the OGs. Do y'all possibly think that they were kind of, once he got out of jail, keeping him away from that scene, you know what I'm saying, away for a little bit to where they couldn't, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, they come to the club too, and then, you know, it seemed like everybody's like a regular there, and everybody, you know, bumps into, everybody that bumps into Cliff, you know, they, they seem like they know them, and then, have y'all noticed like HBH be always at the like in the VIP section where DJ Never Scared is? They sure do. Um, and CSC um, be on the sidelines. But CSC yeah, sometimes she do be in the VIP booth. She be in the VIP booth sometimes too. Um, I I did have a, a conversation on the timeline about, you know, maybe there are some rules for how the gangs are in the pink because it's surprising that as much as CFC is there and as much as HVH is there, there haven't been more, like, gang brawls in the club. So there are rules, and maybe, you know, some rules of the club were broken when they got in that fight because that is the only strip club in that town so i don't think they would want them to be you know fighting and shooting and get the club shut mm-hmm. down and then what are they going to do so i can see there being some like unwritten gang rules as to how they behave mm-hmm. in the yeah because even um what was it 209 209 right snow this when they mm-hmm. were in the parking lot diamond was like if y'all want if y'all niggas want to kill each other take it off the lot you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, it, it, I mean, come on. Like, they just they just respecting like Cliff's place. That that's what I, that's what is so you know crazy to me. Like, it's truly truly something to watch this show. How everybody just that line with Lauren Hawkins, and then everybody was like, okay, seventy five percent. Everybody. All the CFC was holding up their signs, and they all in line. It's just like everybody know. Okay, we going to the paint now. Y'all, y'all can't be acting a fool. You know, I mean, yep. it is. You right, Tanika. You are right. That's why I say, baby, she was with an HVH OG. 
one hundo. Old boy who told murder, I still say, who told murder to go kill Pico. But that's why she got all that HBH in that trunk. That's why she low-key be having so much red, green, and black herself. I think that's really what turned her on with murder. It was like, oh, yeah, HBH, nigga. Like, that, that, I don't think she would mess with a CFC. If he was CFC, I don't even think that's something she would fuck with. But anyway. Yeah, I like that, Kendra. Good, very good point. Thank you for adding to the conversation on that. Um, does anybody else want to add to? Um, we have 22 minutes left. Before I say that, we have 22 minutes left on the show. Um, if you want to have any kind of, if you want to contribute to the conversation and have any last minute thoughts feel free to call in at 515-602-9773. I see that the live chat is still popping. Y'all are still adding your um, comments. Um, I just want to give a shout out to the participants on here. Q is in here. Me is in here. Um, Simply Amazing Words. Um is still in here. Kendra's on the line, of course. I want to thank Trail, who called in, Pooh, who called in today. All first-time callers. Lex is in the chat. Two-for-one special. Um, I really appreciate y'all pulling up and supporting us consistently. I appreciate that so much. So if you want to add to the conversation, again, feel free to give us a call. We have 21 minutes left at this point. Um, and again, next week, no poll. We're watching 201. Y'all have dusted the hell out of 201. Like I have never seen between 206 and 201, y'all dusted them episodes. And we watched 206, and 201 is the last episode. I can't even believe it. I, I don't understand. Do y'all want to talk about, like, why do y'all think, Nobody wanted to rewatch two oh one. Like what what do y'all think? I, Why is that? I think two oh one is very much a setup episode. Like nothing really big happens in that episode. I for for me it's I understand because it's probably one of my, my least favorite episodes of the, the series. Mm-hmm. So I just I mm. I feel like most people feel that way. Okay. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I agree as far as. Go ahead, Tanika. Uh, that, I think that was Ja. No, it was Tia, but Ja, oh. go ahead. Oh. Oh, no, that's okay, Tia. Go ahead. <laughs> I thought Tia. Ja, <laughs> no, Ja, Ja. Okay, Ja. I'm going to stop saying names. Ja, Don't be mad at me. I'm going to stop saying names. <laughs> ja, no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I agree with um, 201 is very much a setup episode. And since the second mm-hmm. season starts five months later, they had to cover um, a lot of ground. I like mm-hmm. 201 because um, I feel like those are the seeds. And I think it's still very important, though, because Me those too. are the seeds for the rest of the season. And I think maybe because 
for me, the first five episodes were build up. They were great. But the last five episodes took us on such a roller coaster that I think a lot of people forgot what's really good in in 201 because by the time we by the time we had them last five episodes them last like one through one through five 201 through 205 took us up you know that's you bit on a roller coaster and it goes up really slow and the intent you know the tension is building the last five episodes is that shot down that loop-de-loop that jerk to the left mm-hmm. to the right and i think you just forget how how good 201 actually is. Um, so I think we'll be surprised when we go back and watch it how much good mm-hmm. jewels are in it. Both 103 and 201 are kind of like linchpin episodes that tie mm-hmm. parts together, which is why, because 103 never got a lot of love in any of the polls either. And so they appear to be boring episodes because I wasn't all that excited about seeing 103 either but when I was doing all of my um my clips and stuff I was like oh shit a lot of stuff happened in this episode mm-hmm. and in general I'm finding that in the episodes I typically think are boring that I was like oh crap and it's all the stuff that makes so much other stuff in the other episodes make sense and I think we're going to find the same thing with 201 yeah yeah I agree. Kendra, you want to add to that? Because your ass be voting. <laughs> oh. Well, isn't 201 with um, Pussy, we got introduced to Pussy Land? Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the one, uh, that's one of the things I like. And is it the same one where um, Lamar, uh, LaMarcus was beating on the, you know, him and DJ yep. never said was coming up with the. Those are the yep. two only scenes mm-hmm. that I like out of that whole episode. So I guess it, like y'all. <laughs> I like it for various reasons. We're not going to break up earlier. Because I laugh. Oh, but I enjoy it, but. But like everybody say, it's like one of those filler. It was like a filler episode, getting caught up, you know, everything that was that we missed, even though it took so long, you know. Even though it took so long, you would think by them taking so long to go from season one to season two that everybody be excited about that episode and still, you know, you know, it's still like a, it's a, one of those take it or leave it. You know, if you put them on a pole, you know, vote for them, everybody else going to vote for all the other episodes, even on season one. Well, yeah, uh, y'all said 103 as well. Mm-hmm. 103 mm-hmm. was like one of those uh, episodes, too. But it had, like, favorite little scenes in it. But the rest of the episodes, like, from beginning to end was, oh, my mm-hmm. God, good. So, yeah, that's probably why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, like, glad that nigga dead then, you know? Like, 201 (laughs) was really gratifying for me, you know? It was such a pleasure um, when I got the news, you know? So, I was very pleased with that episode, it it really set up the joy for me, knowing that 
I was no longer going to see him. Um, so I was pleased, and I, I wanted to re and I wanted to revisit this episode much earlier than now after seeing certain things from that person. I wanted to revel in him being in that lime green, um, you know, in the procession of the lime green and the celebratory death. But um, other than that, I think they did such a good job on presenting um, the COVID-19 pandemic as someone who still, (laughs) still, we're going on three years now and being in healthcare, being a healthcare worker, first responder, it is very, very tough for us working at the hospital. Um, and I really, really appreciate Katori's lens. And so I think for me, 201 is more of like my life type of thing. You know what I'm saying? So I think I have another lens on 201. I'm just kind of like, yeah. Like if I watched it, I take a little bit more of a realistic view on the episode. So I, I never minded if, if if it was gonna be a winner on the poll, you know? So yeah. Oh like like with Brittany mm-hmm. the you the the scene with Brittany, uh kinda like that's the only time I liked her. The scene with Brittany, with Andre and Brittany where yeah. she came home. Yeah. Uh-huh. That part mm-hmm. I liked that part and I forgot about um Slidell's uh friend home going. Right, baby, that that home that home gone that home going was beautiful, wasn't it? It was a beautiful all the home going. The, all the yes, chair wearing the same color. It was a beautiful repast, and you know, we we really appreciate the thoughtfulness and the caring that went into um, his home going, and. Um, that that's really what we love to see, you know, a celebratory appreciation for a man that deserved to be six feet. Okay, so we have twelve minutes left, and um, I'm ready you know, to talk about Erica in his forty. Okay, okay, girl. Hey, we can change subjects. We celebrating life. We celebrate. Okay, I'm going to stop making my food today. But, I mean, he alive. I was talking about something that happened on the show, you know. So, anyway, hell, y'all can go follow him on Twitter if you want. Hell. Anyway. Mm-mm, I blocked so him. So Oh, he's definitely okay. blocked. <laughs> okay. After he came out the trail. After he came mm-hmm. out the trail. Girl, after, he came, after he came out to Tanika. Shoot, that's number one. Oh, he sure <laughs> did. I missed that one. I heard about it, but I missed it. But number one hitter is Tanika. That's the first shot. (laughs) Let's be real. I mean, I love Trail, but but Tanika first shot. That's number one hitter. So you hit her, baby. You hit us all, baby. We got got to jump in. Hold on, on, y'all. And was I the only one that didn't know that that's who they was? 
It's her. Or was I what? the only one? Or believe me. Huh? What you talking about? To not knowing who 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 Slidell was, the real actor. I did not know that was him. I promise Girl. I didn't know that was him. <laughs> who you thought? Uh, what, Girl, and I, I seen Isaiah Washington. <laughs> Lord Jesus. <laughs> I seen the name. Well, that was just applause to his great acting skills, separate from the person that he is in his daily life, because you didn't even know that was him. It was a great casting, I will say that. Okay, I loved him as the mayor, and I loved loved how he, I even just loved how he spoke. Right. You know, like the way he pronounced his words and the Mm -hmm. things, little slick things he said, and and I started losing it when he got, you know, Got to mess with um, but, uh, yeah, I was but messing you, with you're right, just... y'all. He played slime very well. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's his forte, baby. Look at the resume. <laughs> Trying to bring it back the to the party, the party, the party. <laughs> okay, party, party, okay, party. Oh, okay, party. And 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 what, when we dis- yes, when we discuss that party, I wanna just. Point out there that baby, that setup conversation blew me away because I never realized that when they were talking about that damn pregnancy, and she said, "My damn sister, I was visiting in Jackson." My mind blew because I was like, "Pictures are important, people." Okay, rewatches are important. Okay, mm-hmm. Porty. Come on, come on, Bukoti. See ya. Go ahead. So, about the Porty. So, I never really watched this scene that heavily the first couple times. And I haven't, I don't know if I've even rewatched this episode two or three times. But to me, this scene really brought out Shell to me. Because it was kind of like how in Soul Food, when you start, when we, people start posting, you know, being an adult is realizing that Terry was actually the victim and the family was the villain. I this mm-hmm. like Shell in this gave me those vibes. Like the whole first season, the kind of overarching thing was Shell's this great parent and everything else. But like as I'm watching this scene as a parent, I'm like, so you went away for the weekend? And left the 13-year-old at home, and because she mm. verbally said she was going to her friend's house, you didn't confirm with the friend's parents who who took her there because <laughs> she's 13, she don't drive, so how'd she get to the friend's house? You didn't check in when she got to the friend's house. You didn't check on her all weekend. How are you going? And then it's her sick sister, which reasonably would mean that's, quote-unquote, Terika's aunt. So why are you going for the weekend to see the sick sister by yourself? Why is the 13-year-old not going with you? It's so many questions. Then Ooh. everything Sadie's knows about the party and everything else is from Terrica's social media. So why is it that Sadie's is checking the social media and knows what's going on right. with Terrica? Shell don't got to her <clears throat> social media. Shell not check. So you went for the weekend. You ain't checking nothing. So it's like, and it also made me so Shell to me. It like totally like Shell ain't no good parent, but her money and the house and stuff like that, like it 
has this people thinking that, but she ain't doing no parenting, which also makes me see Terica. She ain't getting no real guidance. That's all I got. Baby, the way you just went off. She ain't got no real guidance. (laughs) (laughs) Tia said she is hot. Okay. Um, Anybody want to add to that conversation? Um, I will add, um, go ahead, Ja. Mm-mm, go forth, please. Um, I will say that in the beginning of Mercedes' conversation with Terica, she was very much giving me Patrice Woodbine. She was doing a little too much. It was a little more harsh than it needed to be to tell this 13-year-old girl that she was going to end up in the back bent over and that's what she would deserve yeah was too much it didn't have to be that she was she was being her mother there she was being patrice and i i i I don't know if she realized it when terica threw back in her face that if she did end up bent and pregnant that she wouldn't give up her baby like she did i think um mercedes realized she may have been doing a little too much that's what I, I had to say about that scene. Go ahead, Oh, That was um, very harsh. And I think I'll speak to just parenting in general because I had a similar moment in my upbringing where um, my aunt, who was raising me for a little while because of my, fam- my father's illness, told me something one day like, um, you going to grow up and have a man that's beating your ass and you just going to take it or something kind of crazy along Damn. those lines. I remember just being like, why would you, why would you wish that on me? Why would you say that to me? And it was because, you know, at a younger age, I was that person who, you know, if you said sorry, we could be friends again, you know, and she was a more harsh and a more hardened um, person because of the upbringing that she had. And so because right. I was willing to kind of uh, let go and, and, and move on, she saw. I think she saw that as a sign of weakness. And so for some reason, you know, she that was something that came out of her mouth. And I think maybe that, you know, she was saying it to me, but maybe that was something she needed to check with herself. Mm-hmm. So coming mm-hmm. back to Sadie's, I think that's the moment. Oh, okay, this just hit me. Let me break it down real quick because we're running out of time. So in that moment, Sadie's has this, you're going to be bent over a bathroom. I think she's talking about her own experience, but she's talking to, um, you know, because maybe that was her experience with um, Mm -hmm. her father. You know, she thought she was cute. She thought, you know, he liked her. He had her bent over, Mm -hmm. and then she was pregnant. Then take it back to when – Patrice was, you ain't going to be no hoe. What is this? Mm-hmm. I think those are mm-hmm. moments where your own, their own experience caused them to, you know, they're taking their own experience out on that next generation. And I, so I think it's master, a masterpiece move to show Sadie's figuring out how to make that change in 207 Jackson. You know, to stop mm-hmm. pressing yeah. upon her own 
shortcomings as well as the shortcomings of her mother because sometimes we tend to pass that burden down onto our next child and impose our issues on that child, and that child is not us. That's all I got to say. Oh, I love I that, Jod. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does make sense. And I really, really like when you um, add, what do I want to say? When you add personal content to your thoughts, because it means a lot and it takes um, vulnerability to do that. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. Thank you. Tanika. Um, no, I think I said everything I wanted to say about that scene, but everything Jaja just said was, was great. Okay. Um, we have two minutes and 54 seconds left. So, um, I'm just like sending out appreciation tweets and stuff, but I do want to vocalize that on the air. I want to thank Trail for calling in first time. Um, Also, Kendra for hanging out with us. I know she's still on the line, so thank you so much, Kendra, for jumping on. Um, Thank you for calling in for the first time. Everybody that's in the chat, Lex, Q, two-for-one special, um, Simply Amazing, uh, me, Everybody in the chat, thank you so, so, so much. We really appreciate all the love and support. I just saw that uh, Jackie on Twitter, who was at the conversation with P-Valley that the Directors Guild hosted in L.A. the other day, a couple of nights ago, she was there, um, and she actually sent me has some videos, some content, really, really great conversation, and she's tuning in. So thank you, thank you so much, Jackie, for tuning in for the first time. We appreciate that. We appreciate appreciate the support. So we have 90 seconds left. We're going to go ahead and close it out. And, um, again, we appreciate it. Uh, Not tomorrow, I'm sure, not tomorrow, but next week going to be 201 and then um we're going to have our sunday show and then we're going to close it out with 210 and go on holiday hiatus and then we're going to come then we're going to come back what did you say um tanika january 8th i think uh yep i believe so i think that was the day january 8th after we watch 210 we will come back all right so everyone have a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. We will continue the crazy conversations on <laughs> on the timeline, on the timeline. But the submissive Dominic Corbin, I need more of that conversation on the timeline for sure. All the theories, Pink Sunday. Okay? Bye, guys. Love you, love you, love you so much. Tia, Ja, Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. See you on the timeline. Bye, everyone. Down in the valley where the girls get naked. If you're throwing bags, then you know she gon' shake it. 